Hello and welcome to my podcast, I Stand Strong. My name is uh, Teddy McHugh and I'm coming at you from my bear cave, aka my man cave, whatever you want to call it. Um, little background behind me, I'm 40 years old, I live in the beautiful Northwest. Um, and yeah, this is, this is my podcast, this is the first episode, so I am going to be uh, hopefully coming at you more often and talking about things that... I have opinions on, and miles may miles may vary when it comes to my opinions. And you know, I, the, I I always respect other people's opinions, and I I hope you want to hear mine. Um, so today I am going to be talking about horror movies and how I I love watching them because um, I get a lot of people, mostly my mom asking how I can watch them year round. And I think it comes back to, I love the, the feeling, the, the scared feeling that it can deliver to you. Um, you know, they, they definitely bring in this rush to me when, when a movie could really get in there and grab me and say, you know, make me feel some, you know, feel that fear or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of my reasoning behind my love, but I'll uh, I'll get into my past of like my first experiences with horror movies, which probably began probably began when I was five or you know, God I don't I had to have been like six or seven, and there was a channel on TV channel three that would show on the bottom half would be just a constantly scrolling what was on TV for like the next three hours on all the channels. But on the top of the screen, it would show trailers. And there were two trailers that were on constant rotation on there for a long time that just scared the crap out of me. One of them was a trailer for Aliens, which shouldn't scare me because it's way more of an action flick. But there was some of the imagery it showed just did it. And then Puppet Master 2, which, don't get me wrong, not a great movie. It's fun to watch, but there's something about watching these dolls coming to life and, you know, never showed you what they were doing, but, you know, you got the feeling, you know, you, you got the point what they were about to do to people. So that was kind of the first feeling I got, like the first time I felt that true fear emotion from like a movie or something. And I remember I'd get in so much trouble because I'd have the nightmares. My mom would get all mad at me. And then the next day I'd be downstairs at the TV and I'd turn on that channel and watch them again. Not really knowing why I wanted to, but I kept watching them even though it gave me these, even though it scared me. So I just kept on, kept on watching and I keep getting in trouble with my mom, which is, to this day, I, I think is probably still kind of funny to me. I don't know how she really feels about it. I haven't asked her. But, um, and then I, I keep being told stories of when I was really young and my uncle decided it was a great idea to show me Poltergeist. I don't remember this, but I've been told by my older sisters and my mom how I was just unconsolable for the longest time horrible nightmares everything because 
my uncle showed me Poltergeist. And I have vague, I guess I have vague memories because I briefly remember seeing the guy pulling his face off in the bathroom. And that's probably the point in time I decided I was out. But I, you know, it's, it's this really vague memory. But I, like I said, I keep getting told the story of how I ran from the, I ran from the house and I refused to go over to his house for months afterwards. Uh, so yeah, that was, <laughs> that apparently had a big feel, a big, uh, effect on me. But once again, I don't remember it, but I still love the story. So, um, so I guess I will, uh, get into, you know, more about my love of them. I mean, it, you know, it's, like I said, it's, it's a simple fact of just enjoying that feeling when a horror movie can really get a hold of me. Like it legitimately gets a feeling out of me. Um, I get the same thing from like, you know, a drama because dramas can make you feel, I mean, Saving Private Ryan is an amazing movie, gets me every time. Um, or a comedy, you know, I mean, comedies, if they can really get you and they can make you laugh every time, even though you know the jokes, it's doing the job right. But there's something about the feeling of, of the fear. The fear is what is, what is like drives me for some reason. I love that fear when it comes to horror movies or horror video games. Um, I've been told I'm insane for playing all of the ones that I've played because I've played pretty much all of them, you know, all the major ones. I loved the Outlast games, even though I'd have to play like, I'd play a half hour, hour of the game and I'd have to watch or play something else for a little bit to decompress because there was something about those games that just viscerally got me. Um, Alien Isolation is probably one of the best ones I've played in my eyes for the fact of the, the feel of that game. You know, you really feel you're trapped on this space station with an alien somewhere. And you, you know, the, the sound design is amazing. You know, you get the motion tracker and just that sound of the motion tracker going off, you know, really builds some tension for it. Um, so yeah, so I mean that's kind of my that's that's kind of my feelings on them, but you know, it's you know, I've I've just gone through quite the, you know, quite the phase. I mean, you know, I remember, you know, teenage years when I was allowed to start watching them for myself and you know, I'd go to the movie store every every Friday and, you know, I'd be in the horror sci-fi horror section for hours just trying to find that next the next movie I wanted to watch and sometimes I got a stinker sometimes I got a good one I mean you know you just you look at the covers and look at the back see what you know kind of read a, the brief synopsis and you know you know I I remember watching probably more stinkers than than great ones just because you know you're I was a kid didn't have really great taste and didn't really know what I was looking for in a horror movie. I just wanted to watch something that had violence and nudity. Why lie? Um, but then occasionally I would find that one that would, that would legitimately get that scare in me. And then that's when I'd really knew I enjoyed the movie. Um, I think the first horror movie I actually watched was nightmare on Elm street. 
I was still only 10, but I snuck downstairs because my sister had rented it and was watching it with her friends. And I watched this whole, that whole movie through the railings of our steps. And I was messed up for days, if not weeks after that, because, you know, my 10 year old mind was not ready for the intensity of the first Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, it's, it's not really intense by nowadays standards, but you know, she's going to sleep. There's nowhere safe. I mean, you know, you, you go to sleep and there he is, you know, where's your safe place in that? Um, so yeah, I, I had some rough sleep for a while there. Once again, gotten, gotten some trouble with my mom. My sister got in trouble with my mom because she wasn't paying attention and that allowed and hurt my mom's eyes. That allowed me to get downstairs and watch it. And if you're listening out there, Sarah, I'm sorry that you got in trouble with mom for that. That was not my intention. I was just curious. Um, but yeah, so then, you know, but then that led to, like I said, my teenage years of searching them out. And then eventually I found, you know, found other people that were into them. And I started finding the, you know, like getting the the recommendations from other people that introduced me to stuff like Evil Dead or um, The Thing, which gets me good every time. I love the paranoia level of that one. Um, Alien, Psycho, which actually I didn't get introduced till to, till like high school because I had a film studies class and we watched Psycho in it. And I always, cause I, I guess I kind of always discounted it because it was black and white and you know, I was stupid kid, So I didn't really think that black and white could do anything. You know, it, you know, how could it, it's an old movie. How could it be scary? How could it have any effect? But then, you know, I, I finally watched it and I'm like, well, what was I doing? And that broadened my horizons to start looking into Alfred Hitchcock and, you know, to where you find like, I mean, given not true horror with Alfred Hitchcock most of the time, most of his stuff is, I feel is more of like thriller, but that's another, that's a whole other, you know, topic, but you know, I mean, you got, you know, Rear Window or Vertigo or, you know, The Birds. And you kind of start seeing how this this genre can be played with in so many different levels. Um, but, you know, and then, you know, so then I start finding those 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 classics and through that i start finding you know I, I started finding a couple friends i still don't have a whole lot of friends that like horror movies which is once again whole other subject but you know so I, I i found that that solace kind of in my horror movies and being you know being kind of internal person it was great for me and you know i guess then you know i guess i could also tie that into you know my love of horror movies introduced me to horror you know horror fiction, you know, getting into Stephen King or, um, Clive Cussler, you know, there, there's a lot of them, but there's even some that I can't think of their names, but, uh, cause it's been so long since I've read their books. And I think Stephen King's the one that's probably gotten me the most. I mean, you know, reading it was great. Uh, the shining was just brilliant. 
Um, yeah, so I mean, that's kind of, this is kind of me, you know, it's, it's become a part of me because of this stuff. Um, I mean, I, I, but I also have feelings that kind of come along with, uh, you know, what, what makes a great horror movie. I mean, it's not just, you know, getting that feeling, not just having a almost a great message behind it like you would if you really look into uh night of the living dead or dawn of the dead even more in my eyes but you know but then you know you get into the so bad it's good kind of horror movie which is another guilty pleasure of mine i love a good movie that is just so bad that it's good um you know a lot of those 50s creature features there was a lot of bad but they were so bad they were fun um i would put the original evil dead to me and evil dead 2 are both in that one i mean they're, they're good movies on their own merits but i love the the embracing the camp you know a good campy horror movie is just as much fun as watching you know John Carpenter's The Thing and feeling paranoid and wondering to yourself about, you know, well, who's who's infected, who's not this entire time. Um, you know, not not everything can be the Oscar, you know, Oscar winning movie of the year. So I think that there's there's a lot of room for for that camp feel in every genre. But I love it in horror movies like I I guess you could kind of see it as an action flick but i i kind of consider like snakes on a plane is a great kind of campy horror action flick i don't think that movie was filmed at all to be a serious movie i think it was always meant to be that camp factor that sam because i mean samuel jackson was an amazing actor you can't tell me he just he per, he didn't purposely act horribly for that movie to add to the cheese factor of it. I mean, that was the... Like, I could watch a trailer and tell you that movie was designed to just be a campy romp with Samuel, with an Academy Award winning actor in it. Um. So yeah, I mean, there's there's so much... So much can be done, I guess, is a, is a great way of putting it in the, the horror... The horror genre. Um... You know, from the the early Universal Monsters, where it was, you know, incredibly primitive special effects, but they still have their merits. I mean, you've got Bela Lugosi delivering this chilling stare, even though it, I feel it lingers too long sometimes. You know, he puts on this amazing stare and his, his accent being, you know, like, maybe it's something to do with the foreign accent that just adds this extra layer to him. But, you know, his Dracula is is haunting in its own way, even if the movie's special effects kind of don't really hold up. I mean, you can clearly see the the string hanging above the bat that's supposed to be flying around the room. And then, you know, Boris Karlov playing uh, Frankenstein. That movie, like, when I finally got around to watching that movie, that movie changed my mind on in a lot of ways on some of those really, really old ones because there was so much, so much subtlety 
hidden within that movie and you know then you add and then on top of it you have the story of this this doctor playing god you know i mean what's what's not to be kind of feared by somebody who would be so driven that they thought that was the right thing to do um and then you get into the monster who's actually almost more sympathetic than the doctor himself to me because the monster didn't want to be what he became um and then he's you know he's being chased by all these people just because he's different and yeah he he kills the little girl but it's not intentional it's not in any way like a a malicious thing it's he's childlike he doesn't know what he's doing is and that doesn't make it right but it at least gives him a sympathy which which really kind of added a layer i didn't really wasn't expecting in in a horror movie or in you know however you want to classify frankenstein um but yeah i mean that then the mummy you know i i I really like i love the action adventure that is the modern the more uh like the 90s mummy movies but that original one where boris karlov plays the mummy i mean it's like you rarely see him as a mummy sure but it's it's a tragic love story in many ways which you know who would expect that in in the horror genre um but you know then we'll we'll move forward a little bit and we'll get into you know like i said the the 50s and 60s where you had you know like the blob and them and you know the original version of the thing which i believe it's been a while since i've watched it but i believe it was like a plant-based creature of some kind and it had this you know this they used a lot of like a lot of extra work for like doors opening and closing so that was kind of that kind of got a little wearing but you know it it had its it had its moments that worked um but like you know the campy ones once again you know you got your you got a good time out of them i mean it's they're not by no means were they anything i'd take seriously but they're fun to watch you know, you've got these people that are legitimately doing the best they can, and I get that, but they've they're doing the best they can with like bargain basement special effects and almost no direction, it seems like some of the time. But at the same time, you know, I've I've talked to people who are much older than me that loved those movies back in the day. They scared them, and I I don't see it, but I respect what they were for their era. Um, you know, getting into the seventies, you got your uh, you know Hammer films with you know Christopher Lee playing Dracula. I mean, that's a if that's not an amazing idea right there, I don't know what is. Um, you know, Peter Cushing playing Van Helsing, and you know, even later you're getting into stuff like you know seventy nine is the introduction of. Uh, John Carpenter's Halloween and, you know, Ridley Scott putting out Alien. I mean, that that to me, I think, is the the start of the peak of horror movies. And my, my personal opinion, you know, I, I am always open to hear other people's opinions on why I'm wrong. 
But in my eyes, I will stand strong on the fact that I think 79 through probably about 86, 87 is probably where most of the best horror comes from. Probably just because that was the the you know the point in time where I really well I guess I was pretty young being born in eighty one I was pretty young even in eighty you know eighty six eighty seven but those it, it just seems like kind of after that it, you kind of get a fade off but you know but you know starting with Alien I mean who what I mean what do you do with that I mean that's a that movie, I mean, you start with the trailer, you know, you just have this egg floating in space and a long drawn out shot of it. And then all of a sudden the egg cracks and that green light comes out and it just pops across the screen. Alien in space. No one can hear you scream. That is that is brilliance. And then you get into the movie itself where, you know, you've got, you know, you're quickly introduced to these characters. You kind of feel for them you don't really know how you're supposed to feel about a couple of them but you know they're you know you get these vast characters that are very flushed out very quickly if you ask me and then you know you get to the point you know they're you know you they get to the point really quickly of them you know they're a mining vessel of some kind or you know something along those lines and they're shipped out of their way because of a a rescue beacon and they sat down on this planet that they have no clue what they're what to expect there. It's incredibly stormy, which builds the atmosphere of the planet. And they find a ship. They find the beacon, and it's on this crazy-looking ship. And yes, the entire time while they're in this ship, and they you know they come upon the rows and rows of eggs, you can't help but think you know think to yourself, if not like some people I know, say it out loud. What are you doing in that room? Get out of there. But that's what makes the horror experience fun. I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, they, you know, Kane turns around and walks that back out of that room without looking at one of those eggs. You don't got a movie. But then you kind of also get like, you know, back on the ship when they're, you know, after the aliens born from this thing being held on the guy's face for days um you know you're, they're back on the ship and this creature is born they have no clue what they're you know what they're dealing with you know acid for blood from the face hugger that that was a good sign that they probably weren't in a good place and you know there's a lot of people who i i've talked to people who disagree with this but i think ripley was right they should have never let kane back on that ship i mean there's 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 got to be quarantine protocols involved. I mean, come on. But, you know, you get into this, the the whole point of them trying to hunt this thing down. And, you know, it quickly becomes clear that they are not the hunters. They are the hunted. And they don't know what this thing looks like. They don't know where to find it. They have no clue what they're facing. And what are they facing? The ultimate weapon, I mean, like I said, acid for blood. How do you fight how do you fight that? I mean, if it's close enough to you, you can't do anything to it, or you're just gonna get killed from the acid blood if you're not already torn to shreds by its claws or its interior mandible that comes out at extreme trajectories, or its spiked tail, which is completely scary on another level. 
But what really, really unsettled me and what really works with me on the Alien movie is the claustrophobic feel of it and almost the the human nature as it goes on of how people are almost turning, like, slightly turning on each other. Um, I go back and forth on whether you really needed the whole Ash as an android feel. I mean, there's there's pros and cons to that. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's just this, this great feeling. But, I mean, I guess if you don't have the, the android reveal, you don't have the whole... I mean, you'd have to find a different way to introduce the the idea that the the company that they work for knew what was on this planet somehow, sent them to this planet with full intent on getting a, a specimen back at in, by any means necessary. I mean, crew expendable. Um, man, I'm really talking a lot about how much I love Alien, aren't I? Uh, yeah, that that I mean, Alien. Alien stands out, but then, you know, go to John Carpenter's Halloween. I mean, it's the beginning of slasher movies, for good, for better or worse. I mean, that's that's another opinion. I like slasher movies for what they are. Um, some of, you know, Friday the 13th and Halloween and, and Nightmare on Elm Street definitely started with this great intention on being scary, but let's face it, you know, as they go along, they kind of become more of a, you're just there to watch how, how creative the deaths are going to become. Um, and then, you know, with Freddy, you get probably the reason Freddy's one of my favorite is because in those later ones, you know, especially three and four, which are my two favorite ones after the original, you get this, you know, kind of like more quirky character. He's not just the silent stalker. You know, he he gets a personality. He starts cracking jokes, and it makes it kind of fun. It completely kills the scare factor that you had in the original one. But you get, you know, you get those those great character. I guess is the is what make what really gets that one. But um, and then you know, Freddie and or. Uh, Michael and Jason, though, are definitely, you know, you get anything past the first one. I'll say the second one even with uh, with Halloween. Because um, the second one was, I thought, was legitimately still kind of a scary movie. But after that, you get into some of the, you know, you're just there to watch. How is, how is Jason going to kill these kids that, in this movie? And it becomes a little bit played out because it's like, okay, they're... They're chopping the killer up and mailing him to all 50 states. And somehow there's, you know, there's Halloween 25. Um, but, you know, that, you know, I, 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 I have my place for them, so I can't really complain. I mean, I have all, all eight of the first Friday the 13th movies. And I can watch them all for their cheesy glory and their fun kills. Um, I own all the Nightmare on Elm Streets, even um, New Nightmare, which I thought was, I, I really like New Nightmare. I know it gets kind of a bad rap from some people, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, then, you know, but okay, moving out of the, the seventies and getting into the true eighties, I mean, I'm kind of already talking about it, but you get more of the, the movement of the slasher movies, um, you know, you, you start getting 
the the burning and oh uh sleepaway camps and you know and i think that it just became at that point i think it was just one of those things where it became a uh, hey you know let's just we got this fran- let, let's try to make a slasher so we can make a franchise and everything can be friday the 13th or halloween but they made a lot of bad because of it i think in that one i mean you've got your you've got some legitimately decent ones i mean like i i liked the burning when i finally got to see it um trying to think of some of the other ones i watched in the you know in that from that era but you know that maybe that's a good sign to tell you something like a lot of them don't stand out because they all kind of just ran in together um well i guess there's like the the mutilator i think is what it was called or something along those lines and it's it had a kind of a bad setup but it had a pretty good pretty good kills to it so i remember it it did well i i just remember it was about a kid who accidentally killed his mother as a kid with his dad's hunting rifle and years later he's on a college break and him and his friends go to his dad's beach house because his dad's going to be away or something like that and then the dad's cut haunting you know coming after the son because he wants to kill the son for destroying his life or something like I said, weak setup, but had some really interesting kills. And that one, I think, also introduced some really good special effects, which I think is what, I think in the 70s and 80s, that's that was the heyday of really bringing it, you know, starting to up the the special effects game of it. Um, you know, you get into, you know, the the Rick Bakers and the Rob Boutines and the Greg Nicotero's. I mean, you've got some great special Tom Savini. Oh my God, Tom Savini stuff. Like he's, you know, there's a reason he's he's known as being like pretty much the godfather of special effects. Um, but yeah, and I think you know, I think the '80s. You know, that's I think I think that's the lasting. The lasting effect on horror that I think the '80s really delivered to me would be the the special the the really big jump up in special effects. I mean, you look at the thing, and some of them, John Carpenter's thing, some of the special effects don't really. I mean, they're they're pretty clear that they're they're fake by nowadays standards, but you look at those things and they are creepy. I mean, you know, watching the guy's head separate itself and crawl along the floor, it's it still holds up pretty good to me. I mean, like I said, it's, it does, you know, because of the, the nature of it, it doesn't always, it doesn't look perfect anymore, but I mean, first time I saw that movie, I was scared crapless by half the stuff I was seeing in there. Um, and then, you know, you get to the nineties and I think, you know, nineties, we started, you know, was the end of the slasher for the most part. And you started getting, more, I think you really kind of had a downturn to me in the 90s of the horror movement. I don't really, you know, I can't think of a whole lot in the early to mid 90s that really, really held up. Because I know like, you know, the, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street movies were kind of in a weird place then. The Friday the 13th were getting into, you know, Jason's going to Manhattan, even though he's only in New York for 20 minutes. Uh, but I guess... Jason takes a cruise liner doesn't really uh, have the same ring to it. Um, 
but then you know but then you know mid 90s i think is where you know you start getting getting the real feel of what the 90s were going to do where you had what mid mid to late 90s was scream which you know took a genre and made fun of the genre it's making the movie in what's not genius about that i mean in a movie where you have a a killer stalking teenagers you're making fun of the genre of movies where a stock a guy a killer is stalking teenagers and putting the 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 rules of a, the rules to successfully survive a horror movie just adds another level to that humor but you still have a little scare in there i mean it's still kind of intense like you still have the who done it you know who's who's killing the pe- these people and why you know like why are they killing this person why why did they uh oh god and, uh who why did they kill drew barrymore hang her from a tree with her intestines hanging out um you know there was there was a lot of great interesting things they did with it but at the same time they're making fun of themselves and that's wes craven i mean he's one of the godfathers of horror um so it's it was this great thing of like him recognizing what horror is and seeing what he another spin he could put on it um you know then i know another one late 90s was blair witch project for better or worse blair witch project was successful i liked it in theaters i think it doesn't it's not really a movie that holds up great on um home video just because the surround sound like i guess if i watch it now with a good surround sound system would probably hold up pretty decently but watching it the first time i watched it on video it wasn't great but i saw it in theaters and it was just that movie really worked you felt like you were watching these people in the forest trapped with something and you never saw it and i think that's probably what was genius about it. you never really saw what was stalking them you know in that last image of blair witch project i mean you you get the lore that they're building all movie and then it ends with her just seeing the guy looking in you know standing in the corner looking at the corner and then he the camera drops and that's it you know that's that's genius in its own right do i really wish that uh the found footage horror movie wouldn't have become everything it has become probably because there's a lot of i feel i feel there's a a bit more bad than good in the found footage line um i think for every blair witch project you have a million like the last voyage or well, no the last broadcast that's what it was oh god i i tried watching that one and it it, it hurt um but you know like the the first paranormal activity i i went and saw that one in theaters that one worked um uh, quarantine uh which was great until i saw the the movie it was based on wreck which just blew my mind with how well that worked i mean i didn't, I didn't even care that it was in a a, a, fo- a foreign language that movie told its story without needing the the you know without needing to understand what you were what they were always saying you didn't always have to watch the the subtitles and so i think you know i think you've got some good in there but you also have a lot of bad um 
I guess the next genre I can really think of that really was kind of like the peak that stepped in. I guess oh, I guess you know, right about the same time you had like Home Invasion, which is another one I think can be done right, but it can be done done wrong. Or your uh, what people call torture porn, like Saw and Hostel, and I will give props to the first Saw, the first Saw, and. Most of the second saw I can give credit to as being legitimately good movies. I think after that it just kind of spun out of control when you start introducing all the, you know, the the sidekicks to Jigsaw. Um, but then the Hostels, I love Eli Roth. He's he's uh, he's got a great vision most of the time, but the Hostel movies just don't do anything for me. I don't want to watch a movie that's just just you feel like i feel like i'm punishing myself trying to watch those movies but you know like watching the green inferno though that was a really great movie he put out there um oh cabin fever even though was there was a couple points that were really hard for me to watch in that movie that was that was a great movie so i, I i'm not gonna i you know i don't want to make it sound like i'm crapping on eli roth i'm more crapping on the the idea of that style of movie where it's just so nihilistic maybe is a good word for it um so yeah but you know then then modern horror you know we're getting into stuff like hereditary where you know you've got taking more of a of a typical human aspect and giving it a twist like the babadook which is more a story about you know a woman who who's yet to come to terms with her grief because her husband died on the way to the hospital to give birth to her kid. Yeah, that kid's a brat, but does he deserve how badly she's going off the rails in that movie? No, but then, you know, so you get this this movie that's really it's way more about this woman going insane because she's not she's not accepting the grief she has for the loss of her husband. And then you add in the creature, which I've always just seen as the only reason it exists is because she's not acknowledging this, this loss, this pain, this deep pain within her that it almost created the, the Babadook itself, this creature that, you know, possesses her in the end. And then, but it has this, the the you know spoilers coming up here if you haven't seen the Babadook but it has this this great ending of you know her son helps her you know get this Babadook out out of her and then she you know she she comes to grips with this this loss this great pain that's inside of her and I really think that's what the scene of her in the basement putting the food bowl on the ground is it's you know it's her acknowledging this this pain that she's had for so long that it's you know that's become this big monster so she's giving it food almost acknowledging the fact that i've got this pain inside and i you know i've i've got to accept it or it's going to it's going to destroy me um i mean and that movie just that movie plays brilliantly um Another great one that, that I feel falls in the same line is Relic, which deals with uh, Alzheimer's or dementia, which to me is scary just in general. Um, 
But once again, it takes that basic concept and it turns it into almost a supernatural feel of, you know, the, 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 the woman and her, her daughter come to go to her mother's house to try to find her because she's been missing. And two days after they get there, she comes wandering in all dirty and whatnot. And she's obviously kind of lost. She doesn't, you know, she's not all there. So you're seeing those signs of all or of like a dementia setting in. But then, you know, as the movie goes, you start start noticing that the house that they're in, the further the mother goes down this line of dementia, the more unrecognizable the house becomes. It almost becomes like a maze at times. And I really feel that that that's a, a, a like a strong message in there of somebody you know it's it's probably the director putting out there their fear of of dementia which i really get the feeling from watching it that they probably uh they probably went through somebody going through dementia over their lifetime um but yeah so it just, it and it brings it back to the reality where you know you you have something to to recognize, to acknowledge, and that makes it more real, which then adds to the scare factor in there. And that brings me into, you know, the, the horror movie that I've watched most recently that really, you know, was closest to home with me, which would be Hereditary, because, I mean, that's a that's a strong, strong message about, about mental illness, if you ask me, and you know, I've, I've witnessed a lot of mental illness being, being somebody who suffers from depression a lot. So that one was really good, but I could only watch it once because it was just a little too close to home. Um, but onto a positive note, um, I want to talk about one of my favorite subgenres within the horror, horror genre. And that would be horror comedies, stuff like, you know, Shaun of the Dead, which is just brilliant. Edgar Wright knew exactly what he was doing there. I mean, you have your, you know, your fact that, that there's a qu- kind of a question to me at the beginning of who's the real zombie? I mean, is it is it these the undead walking the streets or is it Shaun, you know, just kind of going through his life like a zombie? I mean, there's a reason Edgar Wright framed those images of, you know, Shaun getting ready for for his day and it it almost makes him look like the zombie or uh you know cabin in the woods is a great horror comedy to me i mean sure it's a little more on the scarier side than the the comedy side but i mean it's it's making fun of the making fun of the genre in its own way you know doing it you know framing it as a secret society has to sacrifice certain you know certain stereotypes to these gods to keep them from rising again um, or Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Man, I that that movie flew under the radar. I think because I don't hear nearly enough people mention that movie. And that movie to me was awesome. You know, it 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 had just the right amount of kind of like keep you on the edge with the zombies, but at the same time, it had an amazing sense of humor to it. <clears throat> so yeah, I mean that's. That's another genre that I, or another subgenre within horror that 
I feel can be done really well. Though I, you know, I do kind of notice that a lot of a lot of the horror comedy subgenres tends to lean towards zombies. I mean, Zombieland. Both those movies were really great. Um, ooh, there's another one. Uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. That is a great horror comedy that completely turns everything on its head. You know, uh, Alan Tudyk and uh, Tyler Labine playing the two rednecks, and they're going up to their their fishing cabin, and the group of uh, teenagers who think that they're the serial killers when really they're just these two innocent guys that don't know any better who happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, and these kids keep killing themselves around them. So it's a really great play on play on that 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 stereotype within within horror. Um, but yeah, I, I'm kind of getting close to the end of my time, so I think now I am going to end this by giving my my top five horror movies in no particular order because I think you know it's you know kind of a good thing to put out there in my eyes. And that would be, you know, as I've already kind of made it clear earlier, Alien, that's a really strong one. Claustrophobic, really tense, sound design is amazing. Um, John Carpenter's thing, also using that paranoia factor, but also, you know, legendary special effects within there from Rob Boutine. And I think everybody in the cast puts on a hell of a performance. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Obviously, it's something to me because it stuck with me even after causing me nightmares for a long time. Um, Rob, uh, not Rob Zombie's version, but John Carpenter's Halloween. I don't mind the Rob Zombie one, but I think John Carpenter's is definitely the stronger one. But, you know, it it launched a whole version of horror. You know, it, it created the slasher genre, in my opinion. Um, and then the other one that goes back to my childhood mentioned earlier, Poltergeist. I mean, it's a, a beautiful horror movie, but it also brings in the aspect of a family trying to survive, you know, trying to survive this supernatural attack, I guess, you know, the supernatural event, um, and I think really the family, the the family coming together around it is the true heart of that story. Um, so yeah, that's that's my five. But um, I really feel like I'd be wrong if I didn't add in some honorable mentions of the descent, which goes to my deep deep fear of enclosed places. But at the same time, the the human nature of that movie is way worse than any of the creatures. I think you could have taken the creatures out of that movie and it would have been just as scary with just the women locked in this building, you know, in this cave system together, turning on each other. Um, uh, A Quiet Place. That's another newer one. I really liked it. Once again, it uses sound design where lack of sound is actually a big part of it. And, you know... I remember watching that one in theaters and there was a se- the bathtub sequence and when that was over I found myself letting my breath out. I was holding my breath cuz I was trying to be so quiet because I was so enthralled in that in that movie. But once again it's also got the message of, you know, 
how far would a, a family go to protect or parents go to protect their kids? Um, and then let the right one in, which is foreign. I mean, you can find the, the Americanized version with uh, Chloe Grace Moretz called Just Let Me In, which is actually what the book it was based on was called. But Let the Right One In is almost a beautiful vampire love story between a kid who's kind of outcast and um, this girl that moves in to the same complex as him, but just happens to be a vampire that looks like a, I'd say 13, 14 year old girl, but really has been alive for a long time. And it kind of weaves a really beautiful story of just these two kind of outcasts that come together. Um, but, uh, that, you know, that's my, that's my list. And, um, I think this is about time for me to wrap it up. So I am going to put out a thank you for listening as well as an extra special thank you to spider at five star tattoo for creating the amazing cover photo for my podcast. I gave him a pretty simplistic idea and he ran with it amazingly. Um, as well as putting some really good work on my skin, which is why I went to him to ask him to do the art for my cover. Um, and I'd also like to put a really big thank you out there to my friends, Michelle and Tony. I don't know if they're going to listen. They do. That's great. If not, they, you know, so be it. But they, uh, they have really kind of supported me in, in starting to do this, uh, knowing that I have my issues with talking in public and, you know, I'm, I'm a very closed off person. So this is kind of me putting myself out there. So they've been really supportive and helping me get, get this started, you know, with their, with their feedback and just their general support. So yeah, big thanks to them. And once again, thank you for listening and see you on the next episode.